Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hello and welcome to the Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast. I'm Liz Loza, joined as always on Sunday evenings by Matt Harmon, who will help me to recap the five biggest NFL games from Sunday afternoon. But before we do that, we got to roll through a little bit of this pre-show business We're going to talk a little bit later about some of the major injuries that are derailing NFL seasons and subsequently Mm. fantasy seasons. But if your squad was affected by injury, and I can't imagine it wasn't, you might want to give Yahoo Fantasy Plus a try and get your team back on track. Right now, you can sign up and get access to the Trade Hub, the Research Assistant, and of course, Andy Barron's weekly newsletter, all for free for seven days. There's no reason not to try it out right now at yahoofantasyfootball.com slash plus. Okay, five top games, plus like a little, some other nugs here and there. Of course, the injuries, some standouts. Let's start, though, with one of the most tilting games of the day, Green Bay, Cincinnati. This had everything, Matt. I mean, you want an (laughs) overtime game? You got that. You want to have a player, a star quarterback, knocked out of the game and then return heroically you want and I'm bearing the lead here to be completely tilted by kickers you try to tell me watch this game and tell me that mercury in retrograde does not exist because what a tough scene five missed field goals for both kickers Crosby finally did the damn thing and hit a 49 yarder in overtime to get Green Bay the win 25 to 22 Oh, I do hope for daily you had a stack here, though, because there are a lot of points to be had. Yeah, there was a lot of exciting performances here. The kicker thing, man. I mean, I feel like Mason Crosby has one of these just like absolutely throws up all over his shoes game. Like at once, like at least once a year or once every other year, he has one of these just like, I'm going to shank everything. But the last one I'll make and I'll stick around. How long? Mason Crosby's been there like forever, you know? Like, he, so he's he's due for some of these games every now and again. Oh my Poor, God. His hair was, uh, his hair was as gray as they made yeah, Nate yeah. the Great from, uh, you know, the, the heel turn on Ted Lasso by the end. I was like, dang, you could be a no, stand in. Familiar, not familiar with that. Oh, ref. you don't watch um, Ted Lasso? I haven't got to it yet. I haven't told you this, Liz, but when oh. we did the uh, when we did the rehearsal for FFL, like one of the lighting or tech ones, like you and Minty were like about. I could feel the tone of your voice, like about to go into a full on like Ted Lasso <laughs> recap, and I was like, "Damn, I haven't seen an episode." Just rip my ear out and like text, <laughs> texted Dan. I was like, "I'm not. In, I can't hear what. I, yeah, we haven't watched it yet, but we'll get around to oh, it." But. Man. Uh, Evan McPherson, though, I felt bad for that guy because, like, the what should have been the game winner, he started celebrating. And he had down. it, but he had uh, it. 
Uh, he thought he had it. Felt bad for that guy. Um, I also feel bad for anybody who did actually fade Jamar Chase off of the preseason narratives. Mm. Uh, the beat writer practice reports. That guy continues to be awesome. 159 yards and a touchdown on just six catches. Um, the vertical stuff is right there with uh, Joe Burrow. The big, like, not obviously, like, there's a couple injury notes in this one. Number one being uh, that Joe Burrow is, he went to the hospital after the game for a throat contusion. Yikes. I don't. I, that sounds pretty bad. Uh, wasn't familiar with the term throat contusion before uh, today, but that does seem bad. And then injury coming into it on the Bengals side, Joe Mixon was pretty highly questionable, but did play, was outtouched by Samaj P. Ryan, who had four catches and a touchdown in the passing game. Worth noting, though, in the backfield between Mixon and P. Ryan, pretty close 50-50 share, and they did both score, Mixon on the ground and P. Ryan through the air. What I thought was interesting about that was that you saw none of the rookie Chris Evans, who we were expecting would be the new Gio Bernard in this offense if given the opportunity, and in fact... The squad stuck with P. Ryan. Uh, but, you know, you can't, if you started mixing, even if you were nervous, you can't be mad about it, really. You did find the end. No, out. yeah. Yeah. You got away with your touchdown there. That's for sure. Um, also, AJ Dillon had some pretty decent usage in this game, mm. which I, you know, I drafted a lot of AJ Dillon on the thought of like, okay, he's just going to take over Jamal Williams' role. It's like getting mm-hmm. eight or getting like 10 touches a game or something like that. And obviously, you know, he has elite upside if anything ever happens to Aaron Jones. Jones ran 14 times for 103 yards. I uh, was also involved in the passing game with four catches, but AJ Dillon also caught four passes. He scored a touchdown through the air, eight carries. He also obviously in a blowout last week was involved pretty heavily as well. I wonder if that is a like kind of because I'm sure Dylan was probably a guy that people got irritated with and dropped in the early weeks. Like he still has that stash ability. Like you still want to have him because he has the upside if Aaron Jones ever gets hurt. But if I, I want to check in to see in the next couple of weeks to see if this usage holds up, because then he does at least have that sort of um, ceiling dart throw flex appeal, especially as bye weeks we move into bye weeks next week and um, the injuries continue to mount. <laughs> right. I know, but <laughs> I love that you mentioned weeks. him. I just looked it up and he is rostered right now in 65% of Yahoo fantasy leagues. And I love that you mentioned Jamar chase. And I just want to give a shout out to one of our NFL writers, Shalise Manza young. She has an article up on Yahoo sports on the website, as you like to say about chase going from bus to boss. So if you're interested in a deep dive on chase and you should be, cause he remains around $20 our daily game every single week and he is one of the most undervalued plays in dfs as far as i'm concerned then go ahead and take a look at her piece um about that we should also mention i mean and this shouldn't be a surprise but it's a nice confirmation in a game that was so tilting it's nice to remember that 45 percent of the target share can go to Devontae adams who gobbled up 16 looks in this one yeah, he had that dominant wide receiver one overall performance that it kind of, you know, not truly come yet. But this was a pretty electric showing mm-hmm. by him. And, uh, you know, just another like he was like, what, wide receiver 11 or 12 on the season coming into this game. And, you know, some of the people always like to chirp after one month, like, I'm not really getting what I thought I'd get out of Devontae Adams. Well, it's like, OK, well, OK, now it all comes in this game and you're you're fine. A hundred percent. Um Let's continue with the tilt and talk about the Denver at Pittsburgh game. It took Teddy coming off of that concussion a minute to get going in this one, but eventually everything started to click. Um, Cortland Sutton ended up having a big game. Tim Patrick also drew nine targets. They were the one and two in the receiving core. 
But then, like, Bridgewater tossed a pick in the end zone yeah. at the very end of the game. Still, like, you don't mind. You, you like seeing the floor that Patrick and Sutton are giving you every week when Bridgewater is under center, even if you're, like, a Broncos fan and you're disappointed by the end result. Right. And, I mean, I think that's pretty important for fantasy because this was an offense coming into the year where – it was kind of tough to you had to like make some real hard decisions about your Broncos because like there was just no way that a Teddy Bridgewater offense playing teams that are not like the Jets and the Giants and all the dregs of the league that they went through to start the year, you know, we're gonna have to make decisions on who is going to be the target leader here. But with Ju- with Judy out now with you know uh, Kendall Hinton, remember Kendall mm-hmm. Hinton? He's like mm-hmm. playing legit snaps at wide receiver now. Um, they're down to that like level of the depth chart because of these injuries that they've had on offense and like now it's just kind of a t- concentrated ar- uh, offense between Cortland Sutton and Tim Patrick. And of course, Noah Fant's going to have his games as well, which is um, Albert O also, I think, was he placed on IR or he, was he just declared out yes. for this game? Yeah. So, he, I mean, he he's, was, he's out. yeah. So, I mean, he, like, again, it's just what looked like a really talented and potentially deep offense has suddenly kind of narrowed between these two or three guys to the point where, I mean, most weeks, Noah Fant's going to be more involved in the uh, three target or the four targets, three catches that he gets in this game. So, um, yeah, I think that's pretty good news for a Broncos passing offense overall. The backfield remained a split. However, you know that Gordon's been dealing with a couple of lower body injuries, I believe. But over this time, Williams is starting to, even if it's not showing up in volume in a large way, Williams yeah. and those fresh legs and that tackle breaking ability that was the reason he was drafted so high, frankly, because he showed out so well in North Carolina in that aspect um, is starting to take over. He's becoming more and more efficient. He's seeing more and more work in the passing game. Uh, he, in fact, did out target Melvin Gordon in this one. So I think that the the switch is happening slowly and should continue to move in that direction, which should be nice for a lot of people who drafted Williams, fr- frankly, pretty high during you know in August yeah it's still kind of is tough to remember that there was almost like a two or three round you know bare minimum gap between these two guys when it was kind of like I think that Williams could be a guy in December that is you know a potential like top 15 play at the position if if he's just jumped over Gordon to that degree because Gordon you know is a guy that probably is not a long-term player here for the Broncos so we'll see um it's just tough when the draft equity was that far apart but uh, all the Williams takes could look very smart at some point here soon Gordon's in his final year with the team though so yeah, there is something exactly. contractually going on there as well and I, I agree with you I feel like Williams has the potential to be the Cam Akers of this year in terms of production yeah. and scoring, but you got to sit on him in a while. So I hope you stashed him and you had some upside elsewhere. Um, if I told you though, Matt, that Ben Roethlisberger would have a higher YPA than Tom Brady this week and also only take one sack, given that O line and versus the Denver yeah. Broncos defense, would you believe me? I mean, no. Probably, probably wouldn't have believed it going in. I would have, I would have said no, that wouldn't happen. Yeah, well, um, he managed a 10.1 YPA. I don't really know how because when I watched this game, I was just like, Ugh, yuck. Uh, I Ugh. mean, Ugh. He, um, yeah. But when yeah. you look at the <laughs> when you look yeah. at the numbers, you were like, wow, I don't. I, magically, something happened here. Well, the thing is, the Steelers have good players around Ben Roethlisberger, oh, right? Here like, we go. 
Jace Claypool is explosive. He gets off on a 59-yard catch and run. Uh, Deontay Johnson gets loose downfield. You know, Twitter told me it was actually illegal for Deontay Johnson to, to catch downfield passes, but like two weeks in a row here, we're getting Deontay Johnson on long touchdowns, uh, 50 yards uh, for his score this week. He only had two targets and two catches, but he made the, made it count. Um, so that'll boost up his yards per target number. Ooh, yippee. Um, anyways, like, <laughs> I... I <laughs> I'd rather so much. Yeah, so, I mean, these guys are good, right? Like, Deontay Johnson's a good player. Chase Claypool's a good player. Najee Harris is a good player. Juju gets hurt in this game. Um, it looked pretty painful. It was, like, I think, I think a shoulder injury. Um, he was declared out very quickly, so we'll have to monitor that one. But, again, yeah, there's good players around Ben Roethlisberger to the point that, yeah, he can – throw that floater up there to chase Claypool. He can go get it and and run with it afterwards. So that's just, I think that's what's so frustrating about the Ben Roethlisberger thing is that um, he throws 25 times complete 60% of them, but his players kind of make it count for him on the other end. If he does get the Denver defense too, I thought they would have had a bigger performance here, but it's worth noting they're, they're pretty banged up there too. Every time when I was watching this game on red zone and they'd go to it, um, I felt like someone on the Steelers squad was grimacing. Like whether it was yeah. Big Ben because of the peck or whatever new thing he's working through. And we know that Big Ben wants everyone to know oh, when yeah. he's hurt, right? He He's not yeah. shy about that. And <laughs> then Najee Harris, despite a giant like 23 carries for 122 and a touchdown, he was in and out of the game with cramps. That's not going to be great, by the way. Like yeah. watch out for that. I do think, you know, we've talked about this in, in previous weeks. If Juju is out long-term, then I do think that that means, obviously, yes, you're going to get to see Claypool out there, and and that will be nice for Big Ben stats. But I also think you're going to continue to see Harris's target volume buoyed by Juju's absence. Yeah, Yeah, I'd agree. All right. um, A game in which the lead, I felt like, traded back and forth numerous times. Let's definitely talk about the Browns at the Chargers. And I just want to give Minty Betts a shout out because she did not believe that the Chargers could cover four and a half was the line. And I uh, I took the Chargers and I barely got there because they bested the Browns by a total of five. But again, this was a back and forth affair. Baker Mayfield, I you know, I don't I know I don't want to trigger you, Matt. And I hear Thank that you. people. Thank you. I appreciate the sensitivity. You know, I'm giving you the TW right now. I don't want to use the word chemistry. Get your hands off your ears. I don't want to use. I mean, I have the an word. I have an earbud in. I don't oh, know yeah. what the hell I thought that was going to be doing. <laughs> like, could have just taken it out. <laughs> I don't want to throw out rapport, but I don't think last week when we looked at OBJ and Baker Mayfield and the missed opportunities that they had, the conclusion was that Baker Mayfield had an off week. Well, I I don't think you could say he had an off week this week. We do know, however, and this is a stat that you quote chewed on and I submitted to the people as well, the Chargers have focused on defensively shutting down big plays. So when you look at the receivers on the Browns, you would imagine, I suppose, that maybe OBJ would get a little extra attention in that regard. Um... Yeah, it wasn't great. <laughs> Two catches for 20 yards. But hey, let's definitely like roll out Donovan Peoples-Jones and make all the Wolverines really happy. And let's let's oh, find God, Hollywood yeah. in the red area of the field. That makes a ton of sense. And by the way, from a NFL standpoint, it's working or almost yep. worked. 
Almost work. Yeah. The Browns unsurprisingly got a lot of their big passing plays on yak opportunities. I mean, like David and Joku just running, which that's, that that's the key with the chargers defense is because as we've said, they're not going to give up those big plays. They're going to want to like, let you dink and dunk down the field. In that way, it did kind of make sense that this would naturally not be a big Beckham game, you know, because he's more of the downfield player. Like that was the interesting thing in the last in the first two weeks. You know, that's how they used him. So I'm not too surprised at Beckham. Like who was like jacked up to start Beckham in this uh, in this matchup? So it's one of those like almost don't want to count it twice. I mean, who knows? Who knows what's going to happen with this whole Odell thing? Like I kind of think these two maybe just would be better without each other. But who knows? I don't know. I don't know what it is. But yeah, no no surprise to see both Nick Chubb and Kareem. Hunt go crazy in this game. Two touchdowns for Hunt. You know, big long touchdown for Nick Chubb. That was exciting. I mean, that is how you're going to beat this defense. Is you're going to do it running the ball, and you're going to do it by like kind of just taking what they give you in the short areas of the field and hoping that you can make some big plays after the catch. That worked for Cleveland today, but it did not work trying to shut down the offense on the other side. What a crazy end of game sequence here. Um, you know, Austin Eckler slides down our own Yahoo Fantasy Zone. Austin Eckler uh, slides to uh, you know avoid avoid going in the end zone like the very next play the Browns defense literally pushes and pulls him into the into the end zone to score the touchdown and in a way I'm kind of like you know what maybe a good idea after the day for for the league as a whole and for the Chargers kicker too to not like let's not leave this even if even if (laughs) we can literally put this thing on the one yard line right in the middle maybe we don't want to leave it up to the Chargers kicker like maybe just get the touchdown and trust your defense to make a couple plays which they did well, whether he liked it or not, it was a hat trick for Austin Eckler, which makes I by the way, that should make fantasy managers happy. I cannot believe there is even a person, a corporeal human entity out there complaining that Austin Eckler like didn't do enough because his knee was short of the goal line at the two-point conversion or because he didn't put enough effort into that touchdown that you just mentioned like y'all we can we can we just calm like how greedy do you have to be oh yeah (laughs) Yeah. I don't really get hot about that often it's not usually on my radar I'll let it go but like you're gonna tweet at a guy who's like gave you three touchdowns because you didn't like appreciate the way in which they came yeah maybe maybe come back I mean how do you like your gifts how do you like your gifts like I I don't know like do you need them wrapped in like fancy glittery wrapping paper and stuff? I don't. If some, I they can come in a damn Amazon box for me. I'm fine with it. Yeah, Ralph's bag, a little grocery bag. Stick sure. it in the, the paper one from Whole Foods. <laughs> like, yeah, stick it in there as long as you know, you like getting the keys to a new car. Maybe just don't worry about, like you said, how the bow on the wrapping paper. Like, give me a break. Uh, yeah, Not that's crazy. It. Uh, Austin Eckler, by the way, too, he had like a 67% early down success rate coming into this game as a rusher. Like, I think he's taken the leap now to, you know, 17 carries in this spot. He's never going to have the carry upside of guys like Zeke or uh, obviously Christian McCaffrey or Dalvin Cook or Derrick Henry when he's healthy. But I kind of think he's right up there in that tier one of backs at this point because he's playing that well as both a rusher and obviously we know he's always going to be involved in the pass game. Well, and he knows that about himself. And I think we always talk about self-awareness between the two of us. And maybe Christian McCaffrey, if he were a little more self-aware, he wouldn't be sidelined right now with another soft tissue issue. But Austin oh, says not. Well, oh, gosh. Whew, a little extra heat on that one. I just feel like Austin has said on Eckler's edge, like he knows his limitations and he would never, despite the similarity in size between he and CMC and frankly, the overlap and skill set, 
that he was like, no, no, I don't want that. I don't want to touch the ball 30 times. I can't, I cannot touch the ball 30 times a game and stay healthy. And like, all right, he's out there just scoring three uh, touchdowns. Those, those Twitter gangsters you just mentioned earlier are about to fire up their fingers. Like, well, that's because clearly Austin doesn't want it enough and you know, no grit there. (laughs) Cool. As someone who's been, who's had to, uh, I didn't, who had to play Alex Collins in replacement of CMC because I was that desperate this week. I got I got some feelings too. Anyone who rostered Mike Williams and had the gall again to complain last week, shut the heck yeah. up this week because he had his bounce back, led the entire receiving core with 16 targets, converted eight of those. Maybe that's not great efficiency or math, but it doesn't matter when you roll up 165 yards and a pair of scores in the end zone. Yeah, long touchdowns. A couple times, I mean, he was just wide open. It's like, Browns, what are we doing here? Maybe don't leave, like, Mike Williams completely uncovered like that. You know, even... Well, they're not used that... to him being there, right? Like, they're like, oh, wait, guess, you, yeah. you get used in different places? I We forgot. Yeah, we forgot. We were just defending, like, the sidelines where you come and, like, smack <laughs> your back down and get hurt for five games or whatever. Um, yeah, yeah, no, I think that... This was like obviously going to happen here with Mike Williams. He was gonna maybe not to this degree, but a get right game was obviously in order for this for this guy because even that game. And I know this as somebody uh, that was really hyping the over on his receiving yards uh, on Monday night against the Raiders, and he had that long touchdown that Herbert and Herbert, who like is playing on fire right now, just missed Did you, him. Bro, there. hold on, pause it. Did you see Jimmy Johnson pregame saying that if he were drafting right now, he'd yes. take Herbert ahead of Mahomes? Yes, that was. What'd you feel about that? I mean, listen, Jimmy's entitled to his opinion. I think it's aggressive, but yeah, it. But the thing, the thing, one well, thing I say, we like, you know, they're talking about Herbert, you know, a star in the making on the broadcast. Like, I think he's he's in the he's in the star club, right, for quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. We, he's maybe it's not the right take to take him ahead of Mahomes, but I mean, in a couple years, I, I don't know. I don't I don't speak ill about QB Jesus on this show or any show. So so this is like. It's tough to even to even entertain the idea. But Herbert is playing that well that I would understand why old Jimmy might want to make that statement. He definitely looked good. Um, the Giants continued to not look very good. Also, they're very injured. Like th- this, yeah, the no Giants, <laughs> I don't know how to, how to kind of swerve into this one. But like the Giants entered this one down Sterling Shepard, uh, down Darius Slayton. Saquon was finally looking gorgeous again. We Uh, all talked him up on FFL. Every single one of us in the FFL Guru Challenge used him in daily. And then in the first quarter, rolled his ankle. Like like not even a high contact play. Like just rolled his ankle. Yeah. It got real swollen. Hopefully it's just a sprain and they can drain it or ice it or do whatever they do medically. And he can come right back. But what an awful setback. And then, and then... Daniel Jones gets a helmet-to-helmet hit and knocked out. He wobbles his way off the field, out for the remainder. And then, last and then, Kenny Galladay, who's been dealing with a hip-slash-hamstring injury since, well, since last year. Forever, um, Got himself a knee and was out for the remainder of this contest. Yep. It's like when the last man standing, because then, you know, Kadarius Tony eventually gets thrown out of the game for throwing a punch. We'll get to that later. It's like literally the last man standing is Evan Ingram. That's it. That's all we've got here for the New York Giants. Uh, when and the he, broadcasters were like, they really need Evan Ingram to stand up. Like, I, oh. or they really, I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, well, you're screwed. All right. Well, you're, you're in a bit of trouble there. Yeah, this was a tough scene for the Giants offense. Like you said, just injury after injury after injury. The Saquon thing. 
I mean, Kadarius Tony was kind of near the scene of the crime. The guy, what a, I mean, it was like a, a full character arc, a full journey for Kadarius Tony today. What a wild ride for the guy. Um, he's had well, a wild. Previous to, previous to the Kenny Galladay injury, um, Tony was rolling. I mean, he like oh, ended yeah, the day yeah. with 13. He had, yes. he had over a hundred yards before uh, Kenny Galladay was out. So uh, he was targeted 13 times, converted 10 of those for 189. He didn't find the end zone. He was, as you mentioned, knocked out for getting a little bit hot. Um, this is a player with a reputation for yep. being a little sassy. Um, and Joe Judge was pissed. Uh, at, like, but when like, is Joe Judge not? Yeah, pissed? I know. Maybe, maybe Joe Judge needs to get pissed about a few other things. But yeah, I right. could, I could see that being like a, you know, there was already like preemptive worry about are they going to like discipline him or stop playing him? I'm like, you better not because the guy's got juice. I mean, I, I had plenty of problems with Kadarius Tony from like a technical playing wide receiver standpoint, but like. Who cares at this point? Because he is obviously, if you get him the ball in space, like you get him the ball in in like the short intermediate areas, the guy can make plays. You know, he's he's a, he can also make some plays in the vertical game because he's physically talented. And it's like enough with the whole Darius Slayton thing. I don't quite know how they're going to deploy these guys because once Sterling Shepard gets gets back, he'll still have his same role. Like Jones loves him, he trusts him. He's the most like clearly the most reliable receiver on the team um, outside of the injury department. So Shepard will resume the slot receiver role. Then they just have to figure out a way to keep Tony on the field. Um, My problem with like the Tony pick for the giants was not so much about the play, not about the player at all. Actually, it's more about, is this the staff? Is this the staff that's going to get the best out of him? Find a way to do it. Even when it's not optimal. Or, you know, not, like, obvious, right? Like, right now, it's obvious. Kadarius Tony's one of their only players that is healthy and out there right now. So, of course, they're going to find ways to do it then. But even once you get your traditional receivers back out there, how are you going to make things happen for Kadarius Tony? I think that is a question that Jason Garrett still has to answer. Um, I'm not convinced that Jason Garrett is the guy to answer that question. And, you know, if, then there's obviously all the, like, NFL questions about, like, well, do you really need to take another receiver here but whatever i mean the guy clearly is going to add juice to their offense um and i think they have to find a way to continue to get him involved even if it comes at the expense of a guy like darius slayton absolutely i mean he was dubbed the shiftiest player in the sec and he just you're i think juice is the perfect word i mean he can i i akin him on ffl to having like a debo light energy yeah but debo is in the hands of kyle shanahan who knows something about you know, focusing on uh, run-friendly plays and schemes. And so I feel like it may, the upside there makes more sense. Um, it will be an interesting thing to see. Uh, we'll see if there's any disciplinary action or what Joe Judge decides to do. But obviously the receiving core here is thin, and so is the backfield in Barkley's stead. Devontae Booker, remember that guy? Came in and carried the ball 16 times for 42 yards and a touchdown. He also found the end zone through the air, converting three of four for 16 and a touch. Uh, Right now, and I'm sure that Andy and Scott will talk about Booker, to what end I'm not sure, on Monday's podcast, or maybe you guys listen to it on Tuesday. He's 5%. He's he's only rostered in 5% of Yahoo leagues right now. We can talk about it right now because, uh, well, I mean, they'll oh. talk about it again. But uh, Ian Rapport said, just as we're talking, Giants star running back Saquon Barkley is believed to have suffered a lower ankle strain, uh, according to sources, an injury that likely mm-hmm. knocks him out next week. He'll have more tests, but it's best characterized a week uh, as week to week. And then he, I don't, Ian, what are we doing here? He says, a, a fast healer, Barkley will work to miss only one week. 
a fast healer. It was like we spent the whole offseason debating where this guy was going to play in week one. I mean, I don't know. Whatever. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, then Jordan uh, Rannon from ESPN also said he's on crutches and a boot uh, following the game. So um, we'll see. And oh, Kenny Galladay, by the way, was, was great timing. Uh, Kenny Galladay, by the way, uh, it says that his he injured his knee, hyperextended his knee in the first quarter frustrating but it got worse as the game went along so um yeah what a eventful day for the giants it just continues to to roll things in here i, I don't know i mean the Devonte booker thing is interesting because he was like a healthy scratch a couple weeks ago for this team i mean are you missing wayne gallman now i don't know um i'll, I'll <laughs> maybe <laughs> i'll tell you what though uh the giants will host the rams Next Sunday, the 17th. Mm. That's the week six matchup. So, um, I mean, if Kenny, Gall- Kenny Galladay is going to have himself a battle, you have to imagine with Jalen Ramsey there. And um, the Rams are coming off some rest and probably a little pissed. So, yeah, going to go ahead and pencil in my survivor. Oh, you already used the Rams against those stupid Bears in week one. Never mind. All right. <laughs> Let's talk about Dallas for a second. So, Ezekiel Elliott. Looked like he might be hurt for a second, but nah, he wasn't. Uh, ended up, I mean, when you look at the game script, obviously, of course, he carried yeah. the ball 21 times for 110 yards and a touchdown. It is worth mentioning, though, there was so much clock eating time available that Tony Pollard also carried the ball double digit time, 14 times for 75 yards. Didn't find the end zone on the ground. Pollard also, I thought he looked real good, though. He continued to look really yeah, explosive, converted. Good. Four of his looks through the air for another 28 yards. And um, he does, Pollard is continuing to out-target Elliott in the receiving game, which is not a huge surprise, especially, like I said, given the score of this game, but worth noting for anyone who's flexing Pollard on the regular. I'm glad that they're keeping Pollard involved. Um, You know, I mean, this typically would have been a game where Dallas would have saddled Zeke up with like 30 plus carries, but there's really no need to do that when Tony Pollard looks this good. Zeke looks this good as well. I mean, the guy comes back from looking like he threw out his back or whatever on that fall and then just, you know, high stepping into the end zone. Pretty awesome stuff. Uh, Love to see it. And uh, am I wrong for still having a little bit of concerns about the Dallas wide receivers? I know they both score in this game. Uh, C.D. Lamb, awesome long catch. Amari Cooper's touchdown was just, like, ridiculous. Abuses this rookie in coverage, and then Dak puts it, like, right where it needs to be. Dak is just playing so, so, so well right now. Outside of a couple of slow starts in this game, still a great overall season for Dak Prescott, like, one year after his devastating injury. So, but still, six targets for Lamb. You know, um, only, only six for Amari Cooper. Dalton Schultz has eight targets. Michael Gallup is still going to come back off IR at some point. I definitely still think I have volume concerns about these guys. Well, Dalton Schultz, by the way, has two more catches on the season than CeeDee Lamb. Wow. So that, like, contextually speaking, he remains, like, an integral part of this offense. And frankly, I feel like no one really expected the Dallas defense, especially after Lawrence no. uh, was hurt, right, to to be buoyed this well and perform this well. And that's obviously helping Dak to keep things conservative, like to conserve his energy. By the way, next week, the Cowboys are traveling to Gillette. Like I don't anticipate a high flying game. So there's not, we're going to have those kids, but you can't like, this is when people are like, I don't know, man, Amari Cooper. I don't know. CD lamb. Like it's not a start your studs conversation. It's a, 
a talent breaks the tie conversation. Like when these two players have this kind of ceiling to their talent level, then you just have to be mindful of the fact that they could blow up on your bench. And what can you tolerate? Like if that happens, are you okay with that? Because you started Marvin Jones in like a better matchup. I don't know. (laughs) Well, (laughs) yeah, no, I mean, I don't think you need to go be doing that, but I think it's just like, I do think it's important to think about your team in, in the context of like, okay, I'm viewing Amari Cooper and CD lamb both as like high end high weekly ceiling, uh, wide receiver twos, but not like, I mean, CD lamb, which Amari Cooper was drafted that way. So who cares? Uh, but CD lamb did creep up into like the end the of the 15. wide receiver one. Yeah. Well, I mean, even yeah. like the pushing, like the top 10 in some formats, you know, because there was that much excitement about him. And again, I think if these guys are going to get like six targets or something like that a week, that's just going to naturally lead to some volatility when Schultz gets the touchdowns or uh, again, when Michael Gallup comes back and what volume is he going to get in this offense? So, and cause I don't expect Dallas to change. Like I think Dallas is yeah. a good team. I think Dallas. Is defense is, yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, they're doing the right things from an NFL perspective. Like all of the stuff that we believed about the Cowboys coming into this year is not true. Like the defense is good. Their running game is great. And Dak is not having to throw the football like 50 times a game or something like that. So all that stuff has changed. And I just, it's always important to kind of view these players in that new reality. I think. Matt, you and me and our producer, John, were slacking about the Cardinals San Francisco matchup. And you, when we talked, when we were deciding what to talk about here, because there's an, a lot of meat going on, um, a lot to chew through, since I used a meat analogy for some reason. I don't even eat meat, but fine. Uh, you dubbed You don't eat this- meat at all anymore? You're totally. I mean, total- I, I do. I eat poultry. So, yeah, like, yes, yeah. I'll, I'll have some. Chicken's you know, not. Smoked. Yeah, they're not. That doesn't count. They're so I'm, I'm not like, you know, like the Traeger smoker out there is not for me. Got it. Um, um, I'm not chomping on pork, but I got to stop with these analogies. I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Chomping on pork butt. (laughs) The only kind of claws I consume are the liquid kind. Um, Nailed it. Thank you. Nailed it. Thank you. That's a a, right claws to break. Well, you don't consume the claws, but you might. No, but you use them to consume. (laughs) Close enough. Close enough. All right. Anyway, back to you. You dubbed (sighs) the conundrum of the 49ers. As the Niners turn, and I thought, or I think you can even say, as the tilt continues, yeah. that's about right. Let's as talk the about the Niners tilt. As the Niners tilt is the perfect way to describe what's been happening. I know it's been difficult for you because you had a lot of um, emotional and fantasy investment equity in this squad. Um, Trey Lance Hate myself for that <laughs> made his first professional start. And, um, you know, last week we talked about how don't what you saw. Kyle Shanahan did the press conference. And he was like, you know, what you guys saw with Jimmy G is not what we're going to do with Trey. Abs. We're going to open things. We're going to change the whole thing. Just you wait. I mean, I know George Kittle wasn't out there, but like, I don't really. You just you just ran your quarterback like he was a running back and he like recorded close to 90 yards. Like that was the the change of the game plan was that they were going to just turn. We're just not going to throw the ball. Yeah. We're going to just kind of, well, they still threw the ball 29 times. I mean, like, yeah, that's true. They still threw the ball 29 times, but not effectively, not well. Yeah. It looked, it looked ugly. I mean, 
I, I it's just this offense is tough to watch. At least I, the difference though between Jimmy Garoppolo and Trey Lance is that Trey Lance is gonna throw that thing downfield. 10.5 air yards per attempt for Trey Lance. Brutal, you know, when it comes to completion percentage over expectation, not good um, for the second straight week. Minus 8.3 completion percentage over expectation. So not what you want to see there. They threw the ball downfield, but they did not throw the ball efficiently. I think Trey Lance, from a timing perspective, it's not quite there, um, which, again, makes sense when you consider the guy is super green, he's super young, didn't play football, but for like one BS little game last year. So this is this is definitely a, a growing and developing player. I just don't know how I feel about them. And I knew it was gonna like the over-under on his rush attempts was like 7.5 or something. That was silly. Like Lance was gonna clear that number no matter what. But still, running him this much, and he doesn't cl- like really clearly have a doesn't really clearly have a sense of like how to protect himself just yet either. You know, like he's, he's, he was taking some brutal hits, uh, which when you're running as the option guy that much, that is going to happen. So I don't know. And I mean, you know, Trey Sermon, forget about it. That guy touches the ball. That was like, I cannot, I cannot tell you how many people asked me, uh, you know, questions all week, like which 49ers back Mitchell or Sermon. I'm like, guys, I don't know. How do you expect me to know? I have no freaking clue what Shanahan is going to do with these guys. But I was like, we will know for sure after this game. I don't know how to tell you any better than that, but we'll know after this game's over. Boom. Like, we know Elijah Mitchell's, I think, I mean, I think we know. Eli Mitchell is the preferred back over Trey Sermon uh, because he's just, which, I mean, Shanahan, I don't, you traded up for Trey Sermon, man. I don't know what, I don't know what we're doing here. Um, but, you know, like he, the juice that Eli Mitchell has, I guess, is just the preferred option right now. You said it. I mean, Trey Sermon won carry. I I do think that, like, Sermon, to me, this backfield, like, Trey Lance notwithstanding. So, basically, without Jeff Wilson available, Trey Lance is the, like, power option in this backfield. Like, there is no – Sermon, I think, runs in, like, a determined way, but I definitely wouldn't call him, like, a power back. Yeah. And Mitchell, obviously, is most hurt light, right? Like, the the speed guy. Um, And (laughs) And already been hurt. (laughs) Correct. Um, And I obviously like Shanahan has a type, but you know, you gotta, you gotta find some balance. And I just don't think there's much balance here at all. Even like the receivers have so much between Samuel and the man who we cannot no longer name per tank have a lot of like overlap in their skill set, which is why you need a player became very clear that you need a George Kittle. Like you need a big body box out who can be a little bit more physical. Not that Debo's not physical, but like just, more physical in a different way. Not a and da- really yeah, not a downfield a- ball winner. Right. And and also help out your rookie um, with just a big body over the middle that he can like chuck it to and feel comfortable yeah. or at least gain some confidence with. And I mean, even like the Ayuk thing, Ayuk is a down, I'll say Ayuk's name because I talk about him in therapy for, you know, like the whole hour every week. No, I'm just kidding about that. But um, like Ayuk at this point is, you know, he's like a downfield receiver too. And like Trey Lance does not look very good as a downfield passer. So that's a good point. Yeah. I have no idea. I mean, even Debo, like he gets nine targets, only catches three. You got lucky that they literally lined him up at running back and pitched him a ball I would be nervous if I I mean listen you're already nervous if you have Brandon Ayuk (laughs) on your fantasy team um you're probably already nervous if you have George Kittle on your fantasy team because he did nothing and then he got hurt and like he's out for the next couple games Debo I'm nervous about like I just don't 
I kind of feel like we're in the wilderness with this offense where I'm ready to believe anything because all of these players are talented. Like Ayuk, Kittle, Samuel, these guys are good. You know, something's going to work out in the backfield. And Trey Lance, I do believe, has the physical talent that I'm ready to believe that by November and December, this offense looks good. It's humming. And I'm also ready to believe that it looks like the slog that it was today for the next few months. I'm ready to believe anything. I want to see the concert, right? We have all of the pieces. We have our first chair violin. We have our drummer. But I have no idea how we make music together with all of these pieces. And obviously, I think Shanahan's trying to figure it out, too. Let's talk about Arizona. On that analogy, you know, Debo's just the bass or, like, there's one cello, like, just, like, back there or whatever. It's like, this is great. I mean, that's great that you could play this bass so well. But, like, you got to do something else to make a song. That's a great analogy. (laughs) We were talking on FFL about... And we have on this show, too, about the Cardinals receiving core and how basically, like, you just you want you want a piece of it. You want as consistent of a piece of it as you can. And heading into this matchup, A.J. Green had drawn six targets every single game. So you're like, okay, there's my floor. That's pretty good. He only drew two, one catch for 13. It was weirdly satisfactory for me to see DeAndre Hopkins returned to like the decisive number one. He looked healthier this week. You know, he led the the receiving core in targets with nine, converted six of those for 87 and a touchdown. The target share is not the same. And you said on FFL, like it's time we need to adjust. Like these are these are 2021 expectations. I think you said it in the fantasy survival kit. But it was nice to see, even if it's not going to be all of the pie, at least we know it's the biggest piece of the pie. Yeah, like that should remain the case. And again, I think it's it's similar to the conversation we had about CeeDee Lamb and Amari Cooper, where it's like maybe adjusting those expectations a little bit to where like, you know, Hopkins has been a top five fantasy receiver, set it and forget it. Because I, I just don't know that that's going to be the case because like nine targets, great. Like you're going to have to catch that touchdown for sure every single week to make it. And again, it's just the fact that I believe this is the best thing for the Cardinals offense. Like just throwing 26 little short passes on curls and little flat routes to DeAndre Hopkins all year ain't going to cut it. And that's not how this offense has been so far this year. So I do think that's a pretty, uh, it's a good thing for them. But yeah, when they need him to, when like they need a guy to go get a bucket, like Nuke Hopkins is the guy to go do that. And, And that was very good to see. I agree. And the Cardinals remain undefeated, which is pretty impressive given the division that they play in. Last note, Chase Edmonds entered this game banged up. There was some question as to whether or not he'd even suit up. He did end up taking the field, but of course he didn't score because we all know that's James Conner's job. Conner yeah. did lead <laughs> the uh, – he led the backfield in carries 10 for 29 and touchdown. Obviously, again, when you look at the score, like – He's going to see the double-digit carries here. And um, I think probably just keep an eye on Edmonds. I believe it was a shoulder issue. I wouldn't be surprised if next week we return to some more of what we saw in week three and the previous weeks as well. Um, You know, we talked about Trey Lance just now. Let's talk about some other rookie quarterbacks because that definitely was one of the major narratives heading into week five. Justin Fields threw his first career passing touchdown to I mean, it's obviously like it should be Allen Robinson or even like Darnell Mooney. Nah. <laughs> no, I would even accept Cole Komet. Nah. Jesper Horstead. Who, Liz, you ask, Matt? Oh, let me tell you because I went on a whole wiki search about this guy. He is a, Take it away. forgive me for not knowing previously what a Jesper Horstead was, by the way. 
He's a tight end. We know how much Matt Nagy loves those. Uh, out of Princeton, naturally, I guess I, it sounds with a name like Jasper Horsted, I'm also assuming that he like was part of the eating club there. He has eight career receptions. Today was his eighth. And now he will forever be linked to this stat because he was on the receiving end of Justin Fields' first touchdown as a pro. Also, the Bears won. They beat the Raiders. Okay. And Justin Fields was in and out of this one a little bit banged up. Yes. Yeah. No. And, man, Justin Fields still just three carries for four yards. Like, just not really getting it. Not not much as a rusher there. It's interesting. Well, that O-line is real bad. Like, they can't generate any sort of opportunity for him. And they're not scheming it. No, they're definitely not scheming it. And – I just think it's interesting that he hasn't like taken off and scrambled more, but I mean, look, if he's trying to get back there and be comfortable as a passer, that's, that's fine with us too. Yeah. I don't know how the bears won this game. Um, the Raiders didn't this look that so ugly. This game is ugly. Yeah, it was ugly. I mean, the Raiders too are kind of like coming back to earth a little bit, uh, as an overall team, there was definitely some overtime induced variance in some of their stats and their uh, record overall. But you know, yeah, I mean, Khalil Mack got after um, Derek Carr a pretty good amount in this game. Uh, the Bears' defensive line did, still definitely has some pass rush juice over a and, and the Raiders' offensive line is not very good from a pass uh, rush standpoint either, and that's kind of shown itself over the last two games. But yeah, this was um, this was an interesting one. This, I, I also found it was interesting that I know we're not going to talk about the full game, but it was interesting that Khalil Herbert ended up with eighteen yeah. carries over Damian Williams. I was glad you mentioned that. I was going to mention it as well. Um, I think it'll go uh, over underlooked by most people because Williams was the one who scored the touchdown. So if you drafted him as the plug plug and play replacement for Montgomery, you're like happy. But yes, keep an eye on that share because it is uh, it is more equitable than anybody was anticipating. Uh, Let's talk about Davis Mills, because um, (laughs) I want to talk about Davis Mills and London Zach Wilson together because Zach Wilson was like decimated by Bill Belichick and the Patriots, right? You were just sort of like, oh, God, the rumors are true. Like, the legend continues. And then Davis Mills goes out there and converts, uh, completes 21 of 29 for 312. Oh, that's the Chicago area code. 312 yards and three touchdowns. Yeah, and you would think like, oh, man, he must have really had a good connection with Brandon Cooks. Nope. No. (laughs) Three catches for 23 yards for Brandon Cooks. Chris Moore. Uh, yeah, he said after the game he had his best game as a receiver. <laughs> Can confirm, buddy, you did. You did have your best <laughs> NFL game as a, a receiver. Five catches for one or nine yards. Uh, Chris Conley made a big play. David Johnson was weirdly, like, involved early and often as a receiver. So, um, yeah, I mean, the people – there was, like, I think, like, 14% of the survivor picks this week were uh, the Patriots. You had, you had a sweat. You had a sweat out of it, but uh, you did eventually get – that when Davis Mills did, I mean, it's been like an every week thing with Davis Mills, like it, Panthers. He looked pretty solid. Bills looked like legitimately he shouldn't even be on NFL field. And then pretty good performance against New England here. And next week, I believe the Texans are traveling to Indianapolis. So that'll be. We'll see. Well, yeah, we'll see what they do. Um, in Zach Wilson, though, looked pretty bad. Look pretty bad against the Falcons. You know, those London games, like a lot of people, I hate trying to project those London games because they always go sideways. Weird, and I yeah. did think, I mean, frankly, part of my analysis, this was wrong, for Jamison Crowder was that a rookie in London would need a safety blanket even against the Falcons defense because it's just like a different place and the body clock and all of it is very, very abnormal 
particularly for a green signal caller. Now, Jamison Crowder didn't do nothing. In fact, it was Michael Carter, the running back, who led the team in production. But I, I, I'm not really, I'm not taking a lot of stock into this. Like, this doesn't really yeah. change my opinion of Zach Wilson. And Zach Wilson, Fair. let's be honest, is not a fantasy starter for most people anyway, no. even in Superflex. Trevor Lawrence, uh, 23 of 33 for 273, a touch and one interception. The Jaguars, I talked about this on FFL, like the Jaguars went through a lot this week. So I really wanted to see how they would respond. I will say, I know we're supposed to be talking about the the rookie quarterbacks. James Robinson is just a good running back. Good like, player, I, yeah. let's, the, the Carlos Hyde stuff, like, let's bury this, whatever. But like, James Robinson was out there working and cutting and making guys miss and is just an exceptional player and talent. And we need to give him that sort of respect. Like, this isn't a one-off. Did you see that uh, Urban Meyer said after the game, because Carlos Hyde was in there for like a fourth and goal play at the end. And he said, uh, I don't micromanage who's in the game in those situations. I'm like, well, Urban, what would you say you do here, buddy? But we know, we know the, unfortunately, we know the answer to that question. Trevor Lawrence, though, I think he actually looked pretty good in this game. I know the Titans, like the Titans defense made America Zach Wilson look pretty good last week, whereas (laughs) London Zach Wilson did not get it done against the Falcons. But Either way, I think Trevor Lawrence has made some good plays on the move, uh, like throwing on the run the last couple of weeks. He also ran seven times for 28 yards and a touchdown in this game. Like I think he is, after a pretty rough first three games, starting to kind of turn the corner. into. I mean, he's not going to light the world on fire, but I think he looks better and more comfortable the last two weeks, which is good news. Although in this game, like he spread it out to everybody. You know, he wasn't locked in on Marvin Jones. LaVisca Chanel only catches one pass, so... Yeah, it was pretty. It was pretty interesting from that perspective, but I think he is starting to get more comfortable. Uh, yeah, I didn't think he was like missing by as wide of a margin. He was much more accurate in this one, and I do think like having this tight end Dan Arnold like is helping settle him. It's just like another what you're saying. Like he's going to spread it out, but he is now not feeling like he has to force everything. And yeah, particularly when you had DJ DJ Chark, who you know obviously is injured and not available, like. When you have a player that requires that, a speed player who requires that kind of timing, like this takes the pressure off of Lawrence and he can just kind of focus on advancing the ball um, and not forcing things to like make giant plays, perhaps like he was used to, given his, you know, uh, resume throughout his entire career previous to the NFL. Yeah, not for sure. All right. Um, last standouts. London Kyle Pitts finally found the end zone. Remember, <laughs> we did not have Calvin Ridley in this one. Uh, Olamide Zacchaeus dropped everything that came his way, which wasn't great. But Kyle Pitts converted 9 to 10 for 119 and a touchdown. You saw this coming. You saw the target volume. He was coming off of his highest, a season high number of targets in week four. So we'll see if things continue to click. Cordell Patterson, um, also continues to outtouch Mike Davis in the backfield and be used in, in the receiving game. And oh my gosh, Miles Gaskin doubters, where <laughs> it's time for you to be quiet and oh. don't roll your eyes. <laughs> Listen, it is worth note. You got no Will Fuller. You got no Devonte Parker. Gaskins led the Dolphins, converting all all ten. Like that's not easy. You don't convert all ten of your looks. That's efficient. I mean, when I say 74 yards, you can do the math and know that, like, the YPR isn't that awesome, but you converted all 10 for 74 and two touchdowns? This, like, if you waste a second of your time here on planet Earth regretting that you didn't start Miles Gaskin or, like, you blew up (laughs) on your bench 
or like, ah, oh, man, I just dropped him last week. If you waste a second of time here, don't even like forget about it. You've, you've got this all wrong. Like stuff like this happens all the time. No human being in their right mind would have played Miles Gaskin coming off two touches and 12 snaps against the Bucks run defense all in that. this spot. No one. No one, well, unless they were, unless they were absolutely desperate um, and decimated by injuries or whatever. But yes, yeah, so I wouldn't let this bother you for even a moment of time here on planet Earth. I mean, your girl had to start Salvan Ahmed. That's how grim it got when you have both <laughs> CMC and Dalvin Cook. So, so people out there desperate on the streets, and Gaskin was able to provide so congratulations if you did that lastly okay so this is the last big standout play and I think it probably goes in the same category of um I don't know I don't want to I would say this one next goes into the same category of like all right it worked out this week but I don't know if you want to play with it every week I don't have high blood pressure I'm not trying to get it I'm, I'm, I'm like pretty chill in my regular life so I don't want any shares of Marquez Calloway but any of you yeah. who are like super into bungee jumping and jumping out of plane, you've jumped out of a plane before. Was that called skydiving? You might want to invest. Um, he's now scored his third touchdown in two weeks. He converted four of eight, not as efficient as Miles Gaskin, by the way, for forty-five oh, <laughs> <laughs> and two, and two touchdowns. But. You guys have to watch the game. Like, every time Jameson chucks it up, I just, I don't blame Sean Payton for being like, no, nah, we're not going to do it. We're, right. I'm not yeah. playing this game. I, this team won't have an identity because I can't, I have, Jameis Winston is giving Sean Payton the most incredible, you know what? I bet, I bet Jameis Winston is giving Sean Payton the kind of trust issues that Sean Payton gave his ex-wife. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> wow. That took so many different turns. Um, I'll say this. I would rather jump out of a plane again than believe this Marquez Callaway a little mini breakout. Maybe the lunatics who started it or drafted him in like round nine by the end of the preseason. Maybe they can uh, maybe they can find some solace in this, but I'm good on that. I agree with you that I don't really know if I trust this performance because like in the Saints adjusted term, you know, this is like Saints era adjusted term. This was the full Jameis like completes 50% of his passes was a top five quarterback in air yards per attempt. So like was slinging the ball downfield, did throw a disgusting interception, but also threw four touchdowns. So like that's, that's it. That's the variance life of Jameis. And he's still only through a season high 30 passes. So I don't know. I, I at least want to leave like the the door open a little bit that maybe Sean Payton will begin to trust Jameis more. And like maybe it, when Michael Thomas comes back, they open up this passing game a little more, but I doubt it right now. I'm going to, like I said, leave think, the imagination a little bit, but no. Do you think Michael Thomas comes back on the real? I have no idea. My yeah, yes, but I don't know. The saints are on by next week. So we'll see how Sean Payton decides to move forward with Jameis Winston and this whole, what did you call it? Saints adjusted era. The, well, this, the Jameis Winston saints era adjusted. This was the full Jameis. The, so it, it was a lot of words there. Actually it was, it sounds better. It sounded better when I wrote it in my article than when I said it out loud. <laughs> Well, we'll, we will see how Sean Payton continues to adjust, because that's the key word, 
in week seven since he has a week off. We don't get a week off. Girl, we don't even get a day off. You know that. (laughs) So that's going to do it for us. Let's keep the conversation going on Twitter, though. You can follow me at Liz Loza underscore FF. You can follow Matt at Matt Harmon underscore BYB. While you're at it, go ahead and double check that you're following at Yahoo Fantasy. For a different angle on Sunday's games, you can listen to Charles Robinson and Frank Schwab in the most recent episode of You Pod to Win the Game. I seriously do it as part of my routine every Monday morning. I go for a walk. I listen to Charles and Frank break things down, see what I might have missed. So you should too. And then don't forget, of course, Scott and Andy will be hosting this podcast tomorrow with some pickup recommendations. Until then, we're out and good luck for the rest of the week. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader, like that car riding your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.